Well, we have something that has never happened to me in my history of preaching. I came up here with the wrong notes. So we'll see. Hopefully, I've preached this once already, so we'll find out what's stuck. I'd like to invite you to turn your Bibles with me to Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians 5. We're going to look at verses 25 through 33 this morning. And uh, if you didn't bring a Bible with you, there are Bibles available in the chairs in front of you. And you can follow along with us on page 979. Page 979. Ephesians chapter 5, verses 25 through 33. Husbands, love your wives. As Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it just as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound, and I am saying that it refers to Christ and the church. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. Would you please join me in prayer? Heavenly Father, I ask that the song that the kids sang would now be at work in our lives, that you would open our eyes to see wonderful things from your word. That the purpose that you had in mind when you wrote these words through Paul would be accomplished in us today. In Jesus' name, amen. The ancient world had a very low view of women overall. In the first century, uh, there was a set of prayers that a Jewish man would pray every morning. and, And one of these prayers was typically this. He would say, God, I thank you that you did not make me a Gentile a woman, or a slave. Things weren't much better in the Gentile world. And the, the one Roman author described uh, the, the typical relationships that a man would have in these words. He says, for companionship, we have men. 
For pleasure, we have mistresses. For children, we have wives. When Jesus appeared on the scene, he came to uphold God's view of marriage, his honoring of marriage that he'd revealed in the Old Testament. Jesus came to uphold the honoring of women as God had created them. And Christianity revolutionized the Roman world. It revolutionized the Roman world because Jesus came to not simply redeem individuals. Jesus came to redeem marriage. And in redeeming marriage, Jesus came to restore the beautiful original design that God had created for men and for women. The beautiful original design that God had for husbands and wives. That God had created men and women, husbands and wives, as equal image bearers of himself, created equal in the image of God, and yet distinct in roles. That God had created a distinct role for men, and he'd created a distinct role for women. That in, in creating Adam first, God had a design that, that men would have the primary responsibility for leadership in the, uh, in the marriage relationship, and that in creating Eve from Adam's rib, God had a special design for her that she would give joyful, glad support to her husband's leadership. And so what we see when, when we come to Ephesians chapter 5 is how God's grace intends to, to renew what sin had twisted and corrupted. And how God's grace renews a marriage. We began last week by looking at the, the instructions that God gives to wives. And we looked at, at the biblical definition of submission in marriage that that in marriage, biblical submission is a spirit-empowered, free, active, loving support of a husband's leadership as an act of worship to God. Now, this morning, we, we turn to the husband's role. What is it that God calls husbands to do? And it is striking that we would expect if Paul has said, wives, submit to your husbands. We would expect Paul to, to give some kind of instruction to husbands, husbands rule over your wives. And yet he doesn't do that. Verse 25, husbands, love your wives. That love, the, a husband's love for his wife is the way that he expresses the headship that God has created him to 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 serve in his marriage. Now, in verses 25 through 33, we don't see the word head or headship appear, but it's very clearly uh, in the previous verses. In verse 23, it says the husband is the head of the wife. So what does it mean? What does it mean for a husband to be the head of his wife? Primarily, that means what we see in verse 25, husbands love your wives as Christ loved the church. So, I want to look with you this morning at two ways, particularly, that husbands are to imitate Christ. How is it that a husband is to be the head of his wife as it's revealed here? So the first, uh, so I want to give you two ways and then try to show you some ways that that can be applied 
from this text. First of all, husbands are to imitate Christ in self-sacrificial love. And then husbands are to imitate Christ in affectionate care. So first of all, a husband is to to imitate Christ in self-sacrificial love. It says in verse 25, Love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. What was the ultimate expression of the love of Christ for the church? It was his death, giving himself in death for the church on the cross. And while that was the ultimate expression of his love, that was not the only expression of his love, that Jesus' life was completely marked by giving himself away for his people. In Philippians chapter 2, when Paul talks about Christ's humility, how does Christ demonstrate humility? He begins not at the cross, he begins in heaven. Where Christ laid aside his glory, he laid aside the independent use of his power and came to earth. That Christ's entire life was a life of giving himself away. Now, Imagine a, a husband and wife are enjoying a, an evening together. They're enjoying spending time together at home when suddenly an attacker breaks in through the front door and goes after the wife. How many husbands in here would, would immediately jump up and, and throw themselves between the attacker and, and his wife to protect his wife? Who wouldn't do that? You know, we don't, we don't want to die, and yet we, we long as husbands to, to be the hero. There's, there's not a husband that, that in his right mind that wouldn't say, yes, I would, I would take a bullet for my wife. I would step in the way of the slashing blade and take one for my wife. I would die for my wife. And yet, this week, as, as I was reading, I was, was convicted by a statement of, a guy named Rick Phillips, he was an army tank commander turned pastor. And he said, the challenge for husbands is not to die for their wives. It's to lay down their lives in life for their wives. See, as husbands, we would step in the way of a knife blade for our wives. And yet, how many times are we guilty as husbands, of actually being the attacker. We're the attacker with our words. That we allow our wives to be attacked with the burdens of of worry and anxiety over the finances, over the kids, over other emotional wounds. How often can we as husbands be the silent assassins who is just not there. That the call of of a husband is to love his wife by laying down his, his own comfort, his own agenda, his own desires for the good and benefit of his wife. Luke 9.23, Jesus said, If any man would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. 
if the Christian life is a life of daily self-denial of following Jesus, how much more does that call on us as husbands to deny ourselves for the good of our wives? If anything, this, this completely should shut down any idea that a wife submitting to her husband gives a husband license to be domineering and demanding. There's no place for that. That a husband is to demonstrate self-sacrificial love for his wife. But there's a purpose behind this. You see, there, we have to guard against the opposite error. There, there's another error that, that men can, can fall into. And you've heard the, the trite statement, your happy wife, happy life. You know it. There is this idea that, well, if my wife's happy, then life is good. So whatever is going to keep her happy. But the self-sacrificial love of Christ is not simply to make us happy. That Christ had a purpose. And we see that purpose expressed three times. That there was purposeful. Verse 26 is the first purpose statement. It says that he might sanctify her. That Christ had a purpose in laying down his life for us that we might be devoted to God. We see another purpose again in verse 27. So that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing. That Christ laid down his life for us that, that we might be beautified, that we might become glorious. And then we see another purpose there at the end of verse 27. That she might be holy and without blemish. This was the whole reason God elected us for salvation. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 4. You just flip over there. You can see it. He chose us in him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and blameless before him. Jesus, the holy and spotless Lamb of God, the Son of God, holy and without blemish, died for us that we might become like Him. So I take two implications out of this for us as husbands. The first implication that I take from this is that in order to love our wives right, we need to understand the gospel right. Men, if we don't understand the gospel right, we aren't going to love our wives right. If your understanding of the gospel stops at the forgiveness of your sins, if your understanding of the gospel is simply that, that this is your way to get into heaven when you die, then you will not be able to self-sacrifice for your wife. We must see the purpose of the gospel. That the, the gospel is, is purposeful. Jesus died to transform us. Jesus died not simply to forgive our sins, but to remove our sins. Jesus died that, that though we have been wrecked and ruined by sin that we might become glorious that we have to understand the gospel right if we're going to love our wives right oh, 
Wives, if there's something that, that, that you could do to, to support your husbands, pray. Pray for your husbands that, that we will have a, a clear, right understanding of the gospel. Second, second implication from this is that Jesus didn't love the church because the church was beautiful. Jesus loved the church in order to make her beautiful. Pay careful attention to the order here. What comes first? Jesus gave himself up for her. Jesus died while we were yet sinners. Why? So that we might become without spot or blemish. Jesus died for us to make us beautiful. Jesus didn't die for us because we were beautiful. What does this mean for us as husbands? As husbands, this is the implication for us is that we are not to love our wives because they are beautiful. We are to love them in order that they would be more beautiful. Now, nearly every relationship that starts, starts with that, that spark of romance, that spark of attraction. That's, that's just natural. That many times, in nearly every case, beauty precedes love. But there has to be a switch that happens. At some point in your relationship, there has to be a switch that happens or, or your marriage is going to fall apart. If it doesn't fall apart uh, actually, it, it will just fall apart internally. That you have to make a switch. Love has to precede beauty. Because there becomes a time in your relationship where there are all of your flaws, just you can't hide them anymore. They just come out that... That it's natural that, that as a husband and wife are, are together uh, in marriage, that, that you just, you have an intimate knowledge of each other that, that you don't have with any other person, and, and you're just there in all of you, and, and these flaws are just visible and, and obviously grating. But when this happens, husbands, we have a choice to make. When we see those flaws... Are we going to withhold love until the flaw goes away? Or are we going to make the choice to love that the flaw may be beautified? You see, if you make the first choice, if you say, I'm going to withhold love until this flaw goes away, your love is a, is a conditional love. But that is not the love of Jesus. Jesus loves in order that we might be beautiful. Jesus' love is truly unconditional. Therefore, the call on us as husbands is to show love for our wives in hope that the flaw will be transformed by Christ. The love comes before the removal of the flaws. Now, how does this happen? There's actually a way in the text that we actually apply this. How can we make this happen? Look with me at verse 26. Because it says that Jesus gave himself for, up for her that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word. Commentators are divided on, on what this metaphor, cleansed with water, is referring to. Is this referring to baptism, or is it referring to uh, the prenuptial bath that was traditional for brides to take um, before their marriage? But, but either way... 
the actual instrument that's being referred to here. The metaphor is pointing to something, and it's this cleansing that happens with the Word. The Word is what's effective at bringing this change about. The Word is what's effective at bringing about this cleansing. And, and what is the Word that cleanses us? It is primarily the gospel. Ultimately, the gospel. It is the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ as our substitute, received by faith, and we are saved by grace. That is the gospel. That's what cleanses us. It's what gets us into the family of God. It's what preserves us in the family of God. It's that good news that transforms us to be like Christ. So, what that means for us as husbands is that we need to then apply the gospel to every aspect of our relationship. The way that we will love our wives, the way that Christ loved the church, is by a consistent application of the gospel to every aspect of our relationship. It's applying the gospel to our finances. It's applying the gospel to our priorities. It's applying the gospel to our, our interactions with each other, applying the gospel to our conflict. Oh, go back and, and read over the first three chapters of the letter to the Ephesians and say, how, what, what has the gospel done? What has God done through Christ? And, and applying that to every aspect of the marriage relationship. The best way a husband can learn to love uh, his wife is to spend time just reading God's word. Now, I want to drill down a little more specifically. See, if Jesus cleanses us through his word, then husbands, we have to pay attention to the words we speak to our wives. If we believe in the power of God's word to change sinners into glorious saints, the power of our words as husbands beautify our wives. But here's the question. Husbands, do do your wives hear your words and feel more clean? Do they feel more radiant? Do they feel more beautiful by the words that we speak? If, If you believe in the power of the word of God, if you believe in the power of the death of Jesus Christ on your behalf, then husbands, imitate Christ in self-sacrificial love for your wife. Secondly, husbands are to imitate Christ in affectionate care. Husbands are to imitate Christ in affectionate care. Verse 28, in the same way husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. It's possible to love yourself without loving your wife. There's plenty of examples of that. But what what God is saying here is that you cannot love your wife without ultimately showing love for yourself. That's the way it works. If you really want to, to make sure that you're taken care of, love your wife. Love your wife as you love yourself. Now, there's, there's three reasons why loving your wife is actually loving yourself. Three reasons. First reason is, verse 29, 
for no one ever hated his own flesh. It's just assumed. Men will take care of themselves. No man is going to starve if there is good food in the refrigerator. So it is just assumed guys are going to protect themselves. Guys are going to look out for themselves. So love your wife. If you really want to make sure, if you really want to look out for yourself, love your wife. Second reason. Just as Christ does the church, verse 30, because we are members of his body. It's, It's not selfish to love your wife as you love yourself because that's exactly what Jesus did. Jesus loved the church. We belong to Jesus. So, so why should a husband love his wife as he loves himself? Because, because our wives belong to us and we belong to them. That, that we, we, just as we belong to Jesus as Christians, our wives belong to us. We should love them the way we love ourselves. And then, the third reason, therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife and the two shall become one flesh. The reason that we should love our wives the way we love ourselves is because our wives are truly a part of us. There is a one flesh relationship between husband and wife that God has declared that's indivisible. This indivisible relationship between husband and wife means that the best way for me to show love for myself is to love my wife. Husbands, love your wives as you would take care of yourself. Now, what this doesn't mean, and this is the way that that typical husbands think. Okay, what would I... What would be really meaningful to me? What would I really like? Okay, I'll go do that for my wife. I learned from my father what not to do for my wife on Mother's Day. On my mother's first Mother's Day, my, my, my dad bought her a hunting rifle. Surely thinking, well, this would be a good gift I would enjoy. I'll give it to my wife. Typically, you know, we, we can't think, What is it that I would like? Well, I'll just do that for my wife. That's not loving your wife as loving yourself. How is it that a husband is to love his wife as he loves himself? Look at verse 29. No one hated his own flesh, but nourishes it and cherishes it. That's the key right there. Nourishes it and cherishes it. Nourish is the idea of of leading and providing. Taking care of her. Psalm 23 Two says, uh, he leads me, uh, or he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. So as, as husbands, it's our responsibility to, to make sure that our wives' needs are being met. Physical needs, emotional needs, spiritual needs. That's our responsibility. That's how we love them as we love ourselves. And then secondly, cherishes it. The word cherish is a very tender image. It's describing a, a, a hen that, that's brooding over her eggs or a mother and her tenderness with an infant child. It's treating something as precious. 
I think this is where we as men need to study our wives. What is it that, that makes our wives feel like that they are, are precious and protected and valuable? And, you know, sometimes we're pretty dense as guys. We're, we're, we're typically not good at picking up hints. So just like come right out and just ask your wife, okay, what can I do to really help you feel like you are valued, that you are precious to me? What can I do to, to really make sure that you're feeling protected? You know, there is a time for husbands to be tough. There is a place for toughness. But there's also a place for tenderness. This is one of the ways, I'm so inspired when I watch The Lord of the Rings. And you look at the character of Aragorn. And, and you know, here is Aragorn, you know, king of Gondor, out on the battlefield, just hacking orcs to death, raging against the, the forces of evil, standing at the gates of Mordor, you know, saying, you know, that this is not the time to turn back. And yet in all of this, he wages war as this mighty king with the necklace of Arwen around his neck, the delicate even star that she has given to him to remember her by. And, and in every interaction between Aragorn and, and Arwen, it's, it's an interaction of tenderness. Never once in any way giving up just the, the power and strength that, that Aragorn has. He knows to treasure Arwen and to be tender with her. You know, it's, it's not just fiction, it's real life. Because that's exactly who Jesus is. Jesus went to battle against our greatest enemy, Satan, who seeks to kill and destroy us. And Jesus stood up to him, and he defeated Satan, fighting our greatest enemy with all of the strength that he had to defeat the devil to the point of death and yet never losing his tenderness towards us. Now Jesus said, a bruised reed I will not break. A smoldering wick I will not snuff out. Husbands, we Imitate Jesus through affectionate care for our wives. See, God has, has a purpose in all of this. He, he's not just trying to create these idyllic, romantic relationships. But God's trying to make an announcement to the world. Verse 32. This mystery is profound, and I am saying that it refers to Christ and the church. God wants the world to see the invisible majesty and power and beauty and glory of Christ. Christ is reigning on high in heaven, but he's not yet visible. Where is Christ going to be visible? It's gonna, he's going to be visible in, his, in the relationship of husbands and wives. That God has an announcement to make to the world. This is what Jesus is like. This is what Jesus' love is like. 
So husbands, we have a, a, a high call on our and when you hear this call, this may cause you to shrink back, say, I, I don't know that I have what it takes. You know, that, you, you don't know my, my imperfections. You don't know my failings. You don't know, like, we've been in this rut a long time. This wallpaper's been on the wall for ages. It's not coming off. But we find hope in this text because we're here. We are the ones that Jesus gave himself up for. We are the ones that Jesus is sanctifying. We are the ones that Jesus is removing every spot and wrinkle from. We are the ones that Jesus is going to present glorious before his father at his return. We are the ones that Jesus is nourishing and cherishing. That it is in Christ, husbands, men, it is in Christ that we can give ourselves for our wives in self-sacrificial service. It is in Christ that we can give affectionate care to our wives. See, man, it, it's in us. And it's in our marriages that we can tell the truth about God. It's in us that we can tell the world the truth about Jesus. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I want to pray for my fellow brothers this morning that you would strengthen us for the call that you've placed on our lives to love our wives as, as Jesus has loved us, to care for them, to provide for them. And, and Father, I pray that you would do a work in the marriages here at Enid MB, that our marriages would tell the truth about Jesus and the church, that our marriages would show the greatness of Jesus Christ. In his name we pray.